My brothers and sisters, today I'd like to speak about the sacrament of confession and about how this sacrament is one of the most powerful weapons that God has given us against the devil. In our gospel, Jesus says to St. Peter, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What does Jesus mean by saying the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against the church? Well, first off, the gates of the netherworld is a reference to the devil. The netherworld is the place of the dead. So we're talking about death here. But the Bible says that it's the devil who has the power of death. To make this clearer, consider the word gates. In the ancient world, the gates of a city were large spaces where the city's leaders and king made their most important economic, political, and military decisions. So talking about a city's gates was a way of talking about the city's leaders and its king. It's kind of like if we say Washington decided to do X, Y, and Z. We don't literally mean This geographical place, Washington, decided something, but we mean the leaders who are in Washington made a decision. So the devil, though, is the king of the netherworld. So the gates of the netherworld is a reference to the devil and the other fallen angels who head up the kingdom of darkness. Moreover, when Jesus says these gates shall not prevail against the church, we can infer that the devil and his angels are in conflict with the church. They're at war with the church. The good news, though, is that Jesus is saying here that no matter how hard the devil and his angels wage war against the church, they're not going to win. Why, though, are they not going to win? What exactly will make the church invincible against the devil? Jesus goes on to say to Peter, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth, so forth and so on. The keys Jesus gave Peter have to do with authority, to teach and to make laws for the church, but they also have to do with the sacramental power of the forgiveness of sins. This leads us to conclude that one of the most powerful defenses against the devil is the sacrament of confession. You see the devil and his demons war against our souls by trying to bring us to hell, primarily through deception and temptation. Darkness and sin are their main weapons. But there is no stronger protection against darkness and sin than the sacrament of confession, which brings our sins into the light and destroys them. If I have fears about going to confession, there's one thing I can count on. The devil is even more afraid than I am of me going to confession. Conversely, if I want to go to confession and despite my fears am persuaded that I will find peace and forgiveness through the sacrament, I can know that this desire and this persuasion are an inspiration from God. I'm reminded of an incident from the life of the late 19th century Italian saint Gemma Galgani. Along with St. Francis of Assisi and St. Padre Pio, St. Gemma is one of the few saints in the history of the church who is given the privilege of bearing in her body the wounds of Christ, what are known as the stigmata. At the age of 21, Gemma began to display these wounds, the stigmata, in the following manner. It was a Thursday evening in the month of June, 1899, when Gemma fell into a sort of mystical sleep, what you might call an ecstasy. 
her body began to sweat blood in imitation of Christ in Gethsemane. When Friday came, her scalp bled as if she was wearing the crown of thorns. And the other marks of Christ soon appeared on her hands and her feet and her side. By Saturday, her bleeding had stopped. She lay still as a stone, as if she had died and was lying with Christ in the Holy Sepulchre. Early Sunday morning, her wounds disappeared, and she arose out of her sleep to wash the blood off herself and her clothes and her bedsheets. This whole series of phenomena would go on to repeat itself every week, starting Thursday evening and ending Sunday morning. Gemma's bishop decided to appoint some priests and some experts to inquire into the authenticity of these phenomena. Did they come from God? Or rather, could a natural cause, natural cause, be found for them? Or were they caused by the devil, the father of lies, who often imitates the works of God so as to deceive us? One of these priests, Father Germanus, who would go on to become Gemma's biographer, recounts the first time he met her. Gemma was living and working with a particular family in the city of Lucca in central Italy. The family invited Father Germanus to dinner, but it was a Thursday night, and midway through the dinner, Gemma got up and excused herself. Soon the matron of the house called Father Germanus, who followed her and found Gemma in ecstasy. The subject of the ecstasy was the conversion of a sinner. It appeared that Gemma was wrestling with the divine justice to obtain the sinner's conversion. She was earnest and resolute, like one in a struggle who is determined to win. Jesus, I renew my prayers for my sinner. He is your child and my brother. Save him. And she named him. He was a stranger whom Gemma had met in the city. Moved by inspiration, she had warned him to listen to his conscience and repent. She had done this often. It would seem, though, that the Lord was inclined to deal with this man as a just judge, and he remained unmoved by Gemma's prayers. But she wasn't deterred. Lord, why do you not listen to me today? For me, you have done so much. Why will you not save him? Do not say that to me, Jesus. In your mouth, the word abandon sounds so bad. You must not say it. You must save him as well as me. I offer myself as a victim for all, but especially for him. In answer to all her entreaties, our Lord seemed to still put forwards the divine justice. Gemma, growing still more fervent, said, I am not seeking your justice. I am imploring your mercy. Search out this poor sinner, press him to your heart, and you will see him converted. At least try it. Listen, Lord, you say you have made many attempts to convince him, but you have not yet called him son. Try that now, and you will find his heart softened. And here it seemed our Lord began to show one by one this man's evil deeds, detailing them with the most minute circumstances of time and place. Gemma Let her hands fall and heaved a deep sigh as if she had almost lost hope. But then, suddenly, she became all animated and said, Well, I am a sinner, I know, so my intervention isn't worth much. But I present to you another advocate. It's your own mother. She asks you to forgive him. Just try saying no to your mother. 
At that, Gemma's whole appearance suddenly changed, and with a look of indescribable joy, she exclaimed, He is saved! He is saved! You have conquered Jesus! Conquer always like this! This whole ordeal lasted about 30 minutes. When it was over, I withdrew to the room. These are the words of Father Germanus. I withdrew to the room prepared for me, wondering about what I had just seen. Within just a few minutes, though, the matron of the house knocked on my door. Father, a strange gentleman has arrived and wishes to see you. I told her to send him in. At that, the man burst into my room and threw himself at my feet, sobbing. He said, Father, hear my confession. Good God, I thought my heart would burst. It was Gemma's sinner, converted that hour. He confessed to all that I had already heard reported during Gemma's ecstasy. He had forgotten only one thing. And I reminded him of it. I consoled him, told him about what had just happened with Gemma, and got his permission to relate this wonder to others. Some years have passed since that event, and I still often think of it. It was the first sign God gave me of the authenticity of the phenomena surrounding Gemma. No, Gemma was not hysterical or deluded by her own imagination. Nor could this wonder have been caused by the power of the devil. The devil is able to seduce and lead sinners to hell, but he can't lead them to confession. Yes, my brothers and sisters, the keys of the kingdom of heaven have been given to Peter, and the devil will not prevail against the church. Nor can the devil prevail against us individually if we regularly place ourselves under the power of of the keys in the sacraments of confession. When was the last time you went to confession?